0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, I always promise you're in the right place and you know it's true. The buzz on the street today, here we go. I promise I won't sing, but remember back to the movie Grease in 1978. We go together. No, I won't sing. We go together like Ramalama Lama, ka dinga 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 dong, something like that. That's what we're talking about today. What is she really talking about? Well, even if your company is successfully using social selling, you still need good partner relationships for your business to grow, scale, and thrive. That's the whole goal, isn't it? You need a partner model in your go to market strategy to help ensure your customers receive the best experience every time. That's what it's about customer centric. You have to deliver. You have to be where they are, when they are. Deliver relevant content and service before, during, and after the sale. It's so important. You can't do it alone. So how do you make it happen? Well, we're talking about partners. Your organization needs to provide them with, oh, my goodness, ongoing support, enablement, training, and more, and some of your partners might rely on you for innovative ideas and new strategies. That's a lot. So let's see if we can combine the two today. How does this partner model, which is de rigueur, you have to have it, fit in with social selling, which is where you need to be? We have a panel of three experts. They're all at SAP, and I can't wait to introduce them to you. Just let me tell you who they are, and then we will start our usual introduction with quotes they've selected. First up, we're welcoming Lorraine Maurice, Sr. Director, Global Indirect Channel Marketing at SAP. She is called a modern marketer, and she is not only here today on Social Selling with Game Changers, she sponsors and appears every other week on our series, Think Big, Think Big, Work Small. With Game Changers, yes, that's her series. So Lorraine is joining us today. Lorraine, I'm doing this from memory. Also joining us is one of our friends, Phil Lurie, VP of Sales Technology at SAP. And he now heads the Social Selling for SAP Global Sales Organization. Delighted to welcome Phil back. It's been too long, and we're welcoming a newcomer. It's Marco Our guys, A-R-G-A-E-Z, calling in from Spain. We'll find out where in a little while. And he's a global marketing director at SAP. So let's get this party started. And since I started with Greece, I think it is a party. And Lorraine Maurice has sent me a wonderful quote from Richard Branson. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight words, packing a punch as Richard Branson does. By the way, Richard Branson is now 65 years old. Is that all? He was born in 1950? My goodness, he must be, yeah, July 18th. He just turned uh, 66, it looks. Like yes, welcome to the real world, Richard Branson. His net worth, according to Forbes, last year was only 5.1 billion U.S. dollars. Sir Richard Charles Nicholas Branson is an English business magnate, investor, and he's a magnet for business too. Investor and philanthropist, best known as the founder of the Virgin Group, which comprises just 400 companies. He opened the record stores, starting in 72 Virgin Records, now called Virgin Megastores. His brand grew rapidly. He set up Virgin Atlantic, the Virgin Records music Music label, and he was knighted at Buckingham Palace in 2000 for services to entrepreneurship. Yes, yes, yes. So here's the quote Lorraine has selected from Sir Branson: "Succeeding in business is all about making connections." Lorraine Maurice, we don't have you working hard enough on your own series, and now here you are. Thank you for joining me. How are you, Lorraine?
2: I'm fabulous, and I'm thrilled to be here. It's a subject near and dear to my heart, um, as my bio indicated. So I, I'm happy to join this this topic.
1: Thank you. We have to do a shout out to Kirsten Boyleau, who is the sponsor of this series, Social Selling with Game Changers. And I think she recruited you for this and you said, yes, I love to be on radio. So thank you, Lorraine. Lorraine, talk to me. Are you a big fan, follower, advocate of Richard Branson? And how did you pick this quote? It's so perfect for us. Talk to me. Well, first I'll start with the reason you were surprised at
2: Richard's age is because I think he's looked old his whole life due to lots of partying. <laughs> but what I, do, what I do appreciate about him oh. is his entrepreneurial spirit, his ability to just say if it, you know, if it hasn't been done or if it's been done, he's going to do it his way and he's going to make it happen. And I think he succeeded as an entrepreneur based on his personality, his relationships, and when he uses them. So he comes up a lot when I'm looking for quotes and thinking about topics because of that.
1: So tell me something. Uh, Lorraine, in terms of we're talking about the Parker partner ecosystem, do you think – businesses today, let's start with businesses that are already embracing, using, leveraging, and succeeding with social selling. And we know statistics have shown those salespeople who do that are getting more consistently on quota, exceeding quota. So we know it's a good thing. We know it works. Do you think that they are already aware of that they need to work with their partners on social selling? Or is this what we're talking about today? Is this going to be breaking news for companies that use social selling? Again, I don't think
2: it's going to be breaking news, but what I think it's going to be is additional encouragement that our partners need to implement the process. So everybody's aware of it. They're watching others succeed, but I don't think that they realize how integral social selling is to their strategy and to the individual sales and marketing teams within their organizations. It's not just a, oh, like to have, it's a must have. And I have a a, a quick example, and I thought this Mm -hmm. was fabulous. So a friend of mine called me recently, and he was interviewing for a new sales position at, at at a company. And part of the interview process was they gave him two names of people, and he needed to go find out how he could have a connection with these two people that he did not know. And using LinkedIn and other social selling tools, he was able to find these two individuals that he had never met before and get an introduction to these two new people. And what that did was prove a few things. It proved to the company that he had the tenacity and the ability mm. to use social selling and networking to, to get things done. And then it also proved to this individual the importance it was going to have in his sales career. And I thought that was a fascinating um, opportunity for
1: him and a great interviewing tool for the company. That's intriguing and interesting and uh, wow. And he was ready for it, obviously, because this is what he does. I want to say, Lorraine, it's not your grandfather's interview anymore. It's not not the way not show up with a portfolio or a resume and sit there with your hands folded and answer questions and say, well, do I have the job or not, say that, whatever. So, wow, very good example. I love it. Thank you, Lorraine. Thanks for joining us. And now let's welcome Phil Lurie, VP of Sales Technology at SAP, and he now heads social selling for SAP's global sales organization. He's a busy guy. Phil Lurie is quoting the Rolling Stones. Surprise, surprise. Come on, everybody knows them. An English rock band formed in London in 1962. Let's see who we got the first lineup was Brian Jones on guitar and harmonica, Ian Stewart on piano, Mick Jagger, the erstwhile Mick Jagger, the venerable Jagger, lead vocals and harmonica, Keith Richards on guitar, Bill Wyman on bass and Charlie Watts on drums. They were the vanguard of the British invasion of bands that became popular and literally stormed the U.S. in 1964 and 65. At first they were noted for their longish hair, uh, a.k.a. Beatles, a la Beatles. The band was identified with the youth and rebellious counterculture of the 60s. So there we go. They didn't want anything to do with the old cruel order of authoritarian culture. So there you go. Here's the quote Phil has selected from the Rolling Stones. You can't, Phil, I'm just dying to sing this, but my voice (laughs) isn't good. You can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometime you find you get what you need. Phil Lurie, what a fabulous quote. How are you, Phil?
3: I am great. I, I think Richard Branson is actually, I mean, we were talking about partying, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to say the obvious, <laughs> but uh, about the Stones, uh, but I think he was a fan, also, I think it was one of the reasons, I think in one of the things I read about him, that's one of the reasons he got into the record business, was he was a well, fan well, of, of, the, of that wow. genre of music.
1: Now, oh, you and Lorraine well. sent me your quotes independently, so that is a very interesting coincidence that she picked something from Branson and you picked something from the Stones. My goodness. And uh, talk about looking old. I think Mick Jagger has always looked like he's been partying too much, but that's part of who he is, so that's just Mick. So, Phil, tell me, you can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometime you find you get what you need. How does that relate to our topic, social selling and the partner ecosystem? Phil?
3: Well, the partner ecosystem is really a vital uh, component of how a big company like ours uh, is, has to approach uh, the small and, and medium-sized businesses in the world. Uh, we've got traditional uh, you know, big, big clients, and our ecosystem of partners is really important. And one of the things that we can do, or a lot of things, as you mentioned, is support them and help them grow and develop. And one of the things that we've done over the last few years is really develop our uh, our ability to do social selling and to build a, a good network. And uh, as, you, as you mentioned earlier, having good connections is really critical uh, to, to succeeding in sales. And one of the things that we can do directly is expand our network to enable uh, our partners to join it so that they have access to our connections and that, that relationship, plus the teaching them how to use the tools, which Marco will probably tell you a bit about, uh, those kinds of things uh, really enable everyone, and it's a win-win-win situation. Even the customers get better service. Uh, the partners get more business, and, of course, we sell more software, which is what we're trying to do. So it's, it's great, and it's, by the way, extremely rewarding because people just love this. It's fun. And that's part of what I like about what I'm doing in business as, as, as in my old age, like uh, like uh, Mr. Branson there and, and Stone, uh, <laughs> we're still hanging out because we love what we do. So
1: yeah, and and you mentioned the fun word. You mean people are allowed to have fun when they're doing this? Phil, seriously?
3: I think yeah. they better. Otherwise, uh, they should be doing something else. I uh, think unless, so.
1: And you,
3: yeah, uh, uh, unless and they're and desperate. What
1: what Lorraine just mentioned uh, in terms of that very interesting and nouveau type of interview where this gentleman applying for the job had to go out and find through social media And get introduced to people he'd never met and showed his tenacity and his cleverness and his engagement, his understanding of social. Uh, fabulous. So yes, I think it all, it all wraps up together. And I'm sure, I sure he went out and partied after he got the job. Let's turn to our third panelist. Thank you, Phil. And Phil brought us Marco Ica, our guys. I, again, I will spell his name A-R-G-A-E-Z global marketing director at SAP. And Marco has uh, picked a quote from Henry Ford. I don't know how much partying Henry Ford did, but Henry Ford lived from 1863 to 1947. I didn't realize he was around that long, 47, my goodness. Phil, that gets into our era when he passed away, right? Don't say a word. I'm talking for myself. (laughs) Sorry, talking for myself. Henry Ford was an American industrialist, founder of the Ford Motor Company. Interestingly enough, he did not invent the automobile or the assembly line. He developed and manufactured the first automobile that many middle-class Americans could afford. And I'm going to quote here from Wikipedia. In doing so, Henry Ford converted the automobile from an expensive curiosity into a practical conveyance that would profoundly impact the landscape of the 20th century and he introduced the Model T which revolutionized transportation and American industry. So here's the quote Marco has selected from Henry Ford. Quote, "Coming together is a beginning, keeping together is progress, working together is a success." Welcome Marco our guys. How are you Marco?
4: Very good, bunny. Hello everyone and thanks for inviting me.
1: Oh, we're uh, delighted. Yeah, I mean, we to Net- see- good.
4: I just wanted to say that win-win situations, it's one of my patients as well as Phil said, so happy to be here.
1: We're happy to have you. Tell us where in Spain you're calling from. I know you're outside the U.S. today, so where, what city?
4: Well, now I'm in Barcelona. And ha- so what time of day is warm. it?
1: What time? I'm glad. It's what time fair. of day is it in Barcelona?
4: It's quarter past four, so not that late. Not that early either.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to find out when we get to you as far as what you're drinking. It should be something interesting. So tell me, Marco, are you a big fan of Henry Ford, of, of what he did, what he accomplished, what he achieved? Coming together is a beginning, keeping together is progress, working together is a success. This is a wonderful quote. Tell me how you picked it for us today, please.
4: Uh, I, I, I picked it for today because definitely for those who have experience collaborating and working in business schemes that involves channel partners, we understand how important and strategic it is to achieve the much desired synergy with them, right? So it involves uh, going beyond uh, than simply having alliances or contracts with them. In my point of view, working with partners is a a way much more complex, right? I think the real challenge uh, has always been to make our channel partners not only be with us. I mean, signing a contract is is easy to do. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we need to make sure that the business success is mutual, that's why I love what what Phil just mentioned, with and that uh, the success is good enough to invite our channel partners to stay longer with us, it makes these tasks much more interesting. I also believe that we need to work in making partners become an active part of the vendor's strategy, and it means doing that every year, I mean, year after year. And I think definitely that this is one of the ultimate goals of a multi-tier business structure, right? So all of this apply not only to business models, but also it applies to the subject of today, which is adopting new technologies and work on their new market paradigms as it can be social selling. I mean, getting partners started to be worried about the new trends, the digital, new digital business and new digital environment. is just the beginning. After they see the value in it, the next challenge with and for the partners would be actively apply the knowledge in the day to day really get the benefit out of it, and that's why I decided to use this kind of sentencing where it's, cl- it's clear that we need to work with them in a short and mid and long term uh, to make all of this happen in the best way, right? Of course, uh, Henry Ford used a way less word than me. <laughs> he explained it much better, but here you go. That's why...
1: Thank you very much, Marco. Pleasure to have you on. I'm looking at your picture. You look so young, and I'm looking at your bio, and it says you've been in business, you've been working a uh, career for over 20 years. I find that hard to believe. Obviously, you have not been partying with Richard Branson and Mick Jagger, but let's just <laughs> leave that one alone. So, let's go back to Lorraine, and this is the part of the show where we find a little bit of personal information about our three panelists. Lorraine, we already know that Marco is calling from Barcelona, Spain. I'm kind of jealous. I hear it's magnificent and gorgeous over there, Lorraine. Where are you calling from, and what time is it? And what's in your cup today, or what are you planning to drink after the show, Lorraine? So I am in Atlanta, Georgia, the East Coast of the U.S., and it's about
2: ten fifteen. I am um, excited to say that in three weeks I will be on Bar- in Barcelona on business, and so I am thrilled because it will be my first visit. So I'll let you know, Bonnie, how it is in person. I love but, that. Um, I'm drinking something that's called a green machine smoothie that I bought from the health food store. And if you see my face, I can't even say the words green machine without kind of crunching my nose and lips up because it's, although very healthy because it's all vegetables and vitamins, it is not the most appetizing or appealing of flavors (laughs) for me personally. But um, I, I do it anyway. I Take one for the Lorraine team. (laughs)
1: Oh, <laughs> Oh, we are so so proud of you. Here's a recipe for it. It's at uh, healthysmoothiehq.com, the green machine smoothie. A cup of baby spinach, a cup of kale with the stems removed. Thank goodness. That's my editorialization. One medium green apple. There's more green. Cored and cut into chunks. One fresh or frozen medium banana. One teaspoon coconut oil. A quarter inch of ginger. Ginger root peeled or minced. Or one te- half teaspoon powdered ginger. A little honey. Stevia or maple syrup up to sweeten. Is that what it tastes like, Lorraine? Any, what's the predominant flavor? Um,
2: <laughs> um, the predominant flavor sometimes smells a little like grass, but no, um, it, it really it, it does have a little bit of sweetness to it, but it does have like a little bit of grittiness to it as you're blending all those ingredients. And so it really tastes like you're drinking um, a bowl of spinach um, or eating a salad in a glass.
1: Interesting. And Martha Stewart's version has parsley, pineapple, and mango in it, as well as a cup and a half of water. So you blend it till it's very smooth. I think I like her version better. Thank you, Lorraine. Drink up, kiddo. Glad you're drinking it. Not not me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just give me banana, strawberries, a little 1% milk, an ice cube, a little, uh, let's see, and a little bit of um, agave and syrup, and that's enough for me. That's as healthy as it's going to get. Thank you, Lorraine. Phil Lurie, where are you? I think you're in New Jersey. You told me that before the show. So I know it is 1021 a.m. because we're all on the East Coast except for Marco. Phil, what are you drinking today?
3: Well, I'm drinking a lot of water. Fortunately, it's filtered water because I don't like the wasting uh, the ecology. You know, the the using bottles. I have a, a filter in my fridge, and I, or, or I use uh, one of those uh, standalone filters. Uh, and the reason why I'm drinking water is I recently got a Fitbit, and those guys want you to drink two liters of water a day. I think you get more exercise uh, getting rid of the water for your system <laughs> and drinking the water. I think that's part of the extra steps you're supposed to get. Um, so. <laughs> Make sure you don't drink the liter and a half before you go to bed. That, I'll tell you that right now. So, if you, don't, if you don't do it by midday, you better not try to catch up. I'm um, getting to sound like an old man when I talk about this, but I'm trying to do everything to be healthy, and the Fitbit is just going to kill me.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's going it's to kill you with kindness, Mr. Lurie. It's going to kill you with kindness. Kill me with Thank kindness. you. Thank you for that. I said this part of the show is personal and you certainly did get personal. So Phil says, Phil, how much earlier than bedtime do you need to drink these two gazillion gallons of water to be safe? Just a recommendation by three o'clock in the afternoon, by five in the afternoon.
3: Well, actually what it is is that you probably shouldn't drink that much water unless you're following their exercise recommendations because you probably perspire enough to get rid of a lot of it, and it's really good to get rid of all the salts and all the other stuff. So if you're really working, uh, they they recommend like five miles a day, which is the American Heart Association recommendation. If you walk walk that much and you drink that much water, uh, you're probably fine. You're probably normal. Uh, because you get dehydrated. So what they're trying to do is maintain hydration. So you really have to have a little judgment. You should drink less water if you're not really actively exercising. So if you're actively exercising and you stop drinking at dinner, you're fine. I mean, you should drink with dinner because it helps you digest the food and you probably eat less if you fill yourself up with water. But, uh, yeah, it's really pretty much dinner time you better stop.
1: Thank you, Dr. Phil Lurie. <laughs> I added the Lurie because we already have a Dr. Phil. I appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. And now, Marco, you're in beautiful Barcelona. What are you drinking today? And it's 4 in the afternoon? What, what time is it? 4.30 almost? Yes, yeah, it's just
4: quarter past Well, 20 past 4, yeah. And, yeah. Whoa, and, and days like today, I always go for a, a free sangria. It's low alcohol, easy to drink. Maybe too much, I think. <laughs> it's customizable. You can make it in advance and at any time before your you, you working day ends. So I love that beverage. It's very fresh. Have you tried it before?
1: No, I don't think so. Tell me again. Sangria. Sangria. Oh, for goodness sake. I had sangria years ago. There's a, uh, a spanish theme restaurant. Oh, my goodness, Marco, you're bringing back memories. Spanish-themed restaurant about 10 minutes drive from here called Marbella, M-A-R-B-E-L-L-A or Marbella, those who don't pronounce it right. And I was uh, out for dinner with a friend, and he ordered a pitcher of sangria. It's been so long. I remember it had the fruit floating in it, and it, was, it looked like a, exactly. a Kool-Aid. It was wine mm-hmm. and fruit juice. It was delicious, and boy, did it pack a punch. You really packed a punch. I'm very susceptible to alcohol. So, yes, it's a colorful, very flavorful drink. I'm going to put this into my notes. So you're drinking sangria. Okay. I like that. Do you have a a favorite? Do you mix it yourself or do you have a favorite? uh, Do you buy it already mixed? I know you can get it here in in Mm -hmm. liquor stores in New York.
0: No,
4: No, actually, it's very easy to make and you have to make it with fresh fruits. So you have to do it in your own taste. It's very easy. Basically, you decide the kind of wine you, you want. I mean, red, white, rosé, whatever you want.
1: You What's just, your you favorite? chop some fruit,
4: the fruit that you what like. Ki- yeah. what, so what kind of wine do you pick for and- it? Oh, I, I love the red wine.
1: Yep, that's the way but I had it.
4: The white wine is very fresh and very, very tasty.
1: Really? White wine, too? That's something I will have to try. Okay, yeah. next time I go out, I'm going to In order a St. Grimm. I mean,
4: definitely something totally customizable to your taste. So if you are going for white wine, for example, I would put some apple, some sugar, and if you want a little bit more boost, probably you would like to add a little bit of brandy. You can have uh. ice with bubbles. You just mix and you chill. <laughs> it's a good, good, good wow. beverage.
1: I think we have a bartender in our midst here. Phil, have you ever tried sangria homemade like that with brandy and bubbles and, uh, and white wine?
3: Well, here in sophisticated New Jersey, we, we have lots of <laughs> Spanish restaurants, and uh, seriously, and uh, so I've had many varieties. I, I like the red as, as well. And yeah, they do doctor it up with brandy a little bit too. So it uh, depends upon which brandy. It's amazing.
1: Oh, I've, I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to have to order one one of these days.
3: But you're to job at 4.30 in the afternoon, Marco. <laughs> I, I might have to make a call about that.
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to say a word, nor... <laughs> Phil, nor was I going to say a word about sophisticated New Jersey. We're we're so delighted to hear that. Thank you very much. Bridgegate notwithstanding. So you know what? My panel needs to take a sip of something for the pause that refreshes. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers Radio. We have a very serious topic. Somebody mentioned fun, and if you do social selling right, my guess is you're going to have fun while you're working. You could even whistle while you work. Our topic today is social selling and the partner ecosystem. We have three experts on this topic. They are very articulate and literate on us, we have Lorraine Maurice, Phil Lurie, L-U-R-I-E, and Marco guys. A-R-G-A-E-Z, so you can look them up and find them online when you're doing your social networking. We're going to take a quick break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. I promise. Justin, out!
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a new tool that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and building the systems to truly measure the impact of social. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business social selling with game changers is presented by sap visit www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Social Selling with Game Changers.
1: Here we are. We're back and we're talking about something very interesting, social selling and your partner ecosystem. What are you doing for them? How are you keeping them in the fold, if you will? How are you communicating with them, training them, enabling them, making sure you have good communications and great connections? We're going to start our roundtable in earnest now with Lorraine Maurice. Lorraine, I'm going to read a little bit from the notes you sent me and we're going to see where does social selling come into this conversation about the partner ecosystem. So Lorraine says being successful in a partnership relationship requires good communication. You need constantly to ensure you and the partner are on the same page and make sure you know what the other one is working on. And Lorraine adds, she believes the ongoing dialogue is so important because it helps to reduce the risk of assumptions and encourages you to stay focused on your shared vision. So we've got some keywords in there. We've got communication, we've got shared, we've got relationships. So how does social selling come into this? Are you doing social selling with your partner? Are you teaching them how to do it? Are you giving them your context? Lorraine, why don't you kick this off, please?
2: Sure. No, thanks. You know, at the end of the day, social selling and social in general is about establishing a relationship with somebody, whether it's your partner, your customer, or a, a vendor, a business contact. Contact. And so I think sometimes the word that selling um, confuses people because Um, They confuse getting the network that they're building uh, confused with selling, and it's not. So you got to put that out of your head, because really it's about creating the relationship through social and social selling. It's about spotting opportunities, and it's about finding the time to ask questions about the person that you're trying to reach, and then share with them information that they need to have. So when you're looking at your partner ecosystem, who could be a sales an extended sales team for you, your partner ecosystem could be others that are part of your business strategy. Everybody needs to understand the vision, the mission and then the message that they need to communicate. So Really, social selling is about networking. It's about creating the relationship. And then that takes really good communication because we've talked about this on previous sessions, and anybody that's looked at social selling knows about content. And so you need a content strategy and a messaging strategy, and that comes back to communicating clearly and understanding the partnerships and the relationships you have with that partnership <coughs> and what value you can provide
3: to them.
1: Thank you, Lorraine. I want to have Phil Lurie chime in on this. Phil, thoughts? You want to expand this for me, please?
3: Sure. We, we look at um, uh, social selling as something new to a certain extent, and it's really not. Uh, selling has uh, evolved over the generations, but it's essentially the same thing. And uh, Lorraine will agree on this, but selling has um, always been a matter of trust uh, between the buyer and the seller. Um, The you know, the myth of the used car salesman uh, notwithstanding. But uh, to establish uh, trust, you need to be knowledgeable and to understand the other person's needs. So good listening is really important. Social selling enables you to do that. Um, by you know, providing with tools to do social listening as part of it, but also to um, do messaging, as Lorraine pointed out, that uh, makes you more um, appear to be more of an expert and in reality be more of an expert. And those are those trust relationships. And uh, the, um, the whole essence of selling and successful selling has always been building that kind of relationship. So it's not new. And uh, in in the realm of working with our partners, we've expanded the network because if we help them be more credible in both those areas by having better messaging as well as as a more extensive network, I mean, a warm recommendation gives you credibility almost instantaneously and it's almost yours to lose. Um, If we can help our partners succeed in those areas, it's, uh, as I mentioned before, a win-win situation for everyone.
1: Thank you, Phil. Marco, I'd love to get your your, uh, two pesos on this. I'm not sure how much that translates to in dollars. We say two cents here. Marco, what are your thoughts on this, please?
4: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, social selling is a practice that is new for partners, but that definitely uh, involves the the fact that you have to grow your relationships in a different way, as you used to do in the past. Communications uh, with partners is critical at this point because social selling involves the usage of new tools, involves the the application of new processes to make what you were doing before in a different way. So definitely it's not only about to make sure that partners understand uh, what social selling is about and how to work under that new environment, but also uh, the fact that they need to work in adopting the new processes, the new technology, the new trends, if they want to participate as part of it. Right, So they understand that, but it's a process that takes time and that you need to over-communicate all the time with them because it's not only to, to understand what, why and, and what you should do, but actually to realize how to do it is the, is the trigger to, to really start to get uh, benefits out of it. So definitely communication is critical, and definitely social selling uh, involves that in several ways, and, and, and do that with partners is something important and critical in what we do with
1: them. Thank you very much, all three. Lorraine, I'm going to circle back to you, and, and as part of wrapping up this part of our discussion, Lorraine, I'd love a couple of practical tips. Let me ask you a couple of questions, and I will go around the table. question is, let's say you become a partner and your your partner ecosystem expands. Do you sit down with that partner and say, hey, tell me about your social selling practices? Is it coming from your management? Are you doing it on a regular basis? What is the extent of the training you've given to your salespeople? Are they embracing it Do they understand it? Are they succeeding with it? And then, is it the role of you, the I'll say the the the, the parent business partner, and not the in other words, the one who's more established? Uh, we should say, um, is it your role to go in and say, "Let me hold a social selling training workshop for you." Let me see what kinds of records you have. Let's share our contacts. How does it actually work, Lorraine? So, 1st certain let's
2: say, think that's a great question, by the way, and
1: I think one that we'll all.
2: Answer differently on mm-hmm. the same too. It sure. really starts with understanding the, the, the partner's goals and objectives. So, in this, so before you start a social selling conversation, you first have to understand, and you know, in most cases, it's really about building revenue, it's about building a customer stream, it's about building a relationship. And so when you establish the need and the opportunity, you then introduce social selling into the conversation and how that helps the partner, um, how that helps the partner achieve their objective. So I don't think you can introduce it without showing them the value. And the value comes to whatever their objectives are, helping, then sharing with them how they can actually execute it, reviewing any You know, opportunities for cost, um, and then the tactical things about how often you need to do it, what's the content you need to do, how do you get set up and do it. You know, in our case, we do bring a lot of training, uh, implementation ideas, content ideas to the table, but we don't do that before first establishing what we're trying to accomplish and how social selling fits into that model.
1: Thank you, Lorraine. Phil Lurie, love to get your thoughts. That was a good introduction from Lorraine. What's your thought?
3: Oh no, I I, I agree. I, I think we've been uh, uh, it, 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 the whole process of getting people involved in this has been um, really exciting, as, as I mentioned before. And uh, enabling people with the right messaging is 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 critical. Uh, we're working on different ways and different tools. We're not. Uh, bound to just uh, one one set of tools, and the uh, the one thing i 'd sort of like to digress on is is that the whole social media and social selling area is really expanding so much that you really have to keep an eye on all the tools that are out there, and uh, one of the things that we 're trying to do with our whole ecosystem is to make sure that we 're uh, not prejudice with one product, you know, just married to one product, but looking at all the things. So uh, we're using Twitter, we're using LinkedIn, of course, uh, but we're looking at other tools for uh, the social advocacy and things, and I recommend to to your listeners that you, you keep an eye on the entire marketplace, because it's really important to try to figure out the, the tools that work best in your own environment, and to do a certain amount of customization, and it's one of the things that we're, we're doing. So I'm sorry, I'm, I digressed a little bit from the question. No, that's really okay. That's okay. Plan.
1: Good. Good answer. So now, what's your thought on that question as well?
3: Uh, well, I, I basically agree with, with Lorraine. I, I think you know, she raised some really good points. I really don't have too much to, to add to it. But I was just okay. sort of wandering my mind thinking about the other issues.
1: That's so, fine. That's what we do here. We wander <laughs> and we explore issues, and that's why this is a live, unscripted conversation, Mr. Lurie, and that's why you're here. So I appreciate Honourable. that. You're, Yes, May I jump in, Jess? I know it's Marco's turn, but I want yeah, to up yeah.
2: quickly on something Phil said, and that's understanding, you know, your environment and, and the market around you. Um, you know, social selling could be used as kind of like this mass marketing tool, and you're trying to reach everybody. But I think what's important and what Phil said is understanding what you're trying to, to accomplish and what's right for your business. So I I think he goes back to the the planning first on what you're trying to accomplish and
1: then making it right for you. So I think he raised a really valuable point. Thank you. Phil always raises valuable points. We know that. Marco, our guys, love to have you join this party. What are your thoughts on this? How to uh, get your partners to embrace social selling if they're not already? Marco?
4: Yeah, I I have to agree with with both, with Phil and, and Lorraine in the fact that setting in the mind of the owners and the people that is uh, selling out uh, the reason why they should change and switch from the old way of doing the things to to the new trend is precisely uh, those uh, strategic conversations with them. I mean, it's very important for them to understand why, what what can happen if they don't change what they are doing in the way they are doing it now, right? Um, And you, you, you have to prove them as well that it makes sense to do it. So definitely, uh, setting an a strategic conversation with the partners in, in terms of what they can get now and what they can get out of it later as well. It's really, really important because it's the only way in where in, in how they will really, really make that mindset switch to to the new trend and and jumping into the social selling as something that really, really deliver value to them. Otherwise, uh, it's just theory and it's something that is it looks good, it sounds good, but it's not necessarily delivering what they want to to deliver. So uh, every time that I work with partners in in, in different social selling programs with them, I I have to have these conversations in where we have to analyze the the customer, the ideal customer that they're pursuing, and therefore how to approach that customer in the best way, not only uh, using tools or or techniques or, or, or processes, but actually in the way in how this customer wants to relate with you nowadays, right? So all of these are conversations that happens uh, even before they start applying or executing any social selling technique or, or, or practice. So it's very, very important, these this, this kind of conversations, and they will set the basis to really make sure that the adoption in the partner base is going to be as we would like to be.
1: Thank you very much, Marco. Good, good, and thank you, all three of you, for indulging my My question, Uh, Phil Lurie. I'm going to look at a couple of the notes you sent me before the show. I'd like to focus on the following. I'll just read a couple of sentences and have you run with this. You say people in big companies, and this goes to the type of partner relationship. And I think I alluded to that, Phil. I called it the the parent company, meaning all right, you don't acquire them, you don't buy them, but there would be a bigger company and a smaller company, a better established and a newer or a bigger or smaller. So now that I've set that up, you say people in big companies. Often don't realize how small businesses work and think and vice versa. To be successful in a partner relationship, you need to walk a mile in the other guy's shoes since we use guys for all genders today. You also add social selling is better with bigger networks. Small businesses usually don't have bigger networks. This is an area where partnering with big companies can be really beneficial. Phil, can you add a little meat to the bones of this? And then we will ask Marco to, to correspond or to respond and then Lorraine as well. Phil?
3: That'd be great. Uh, Marco is really probably the, the expert on he's, he's He's on the line actually doing this, but uh, uh, the philosophy that we have uh, it found really working is that if you understand how your partner works, you're going to do a better job helping and supporting them, and he can speak to that well because he's been, and Lorraine can as well. They're, they're the experts in doing it. Uh, I had the ex, the experience of actually being on the other side of it, being in a small company and then working with big companies. So I've been in both sides of it, and uh, the the uh, the misunderstanding of what the other guy is doing can be a pro- uh, problem. And I think we're we're trying very hard to to overcome that. Um, and as I mentioned earlier one of the things that we can easily supply our our partners with is uh, tools. Uh, but also um, the more difficult thing is to expand them into our network and to make connections and warm introductions to people. And that is something that's always been done traditionally, uh, making recommendations and such, and using social selling as a tool to enable it to make it more systematic is something that's really been... Um, Implemented in the last uh, years or two, and it's not just that our company. I should I should say this is in general. Other big companies are starting to do this. I think we're leading. I hope we're leading. But a, a lot of companies are now realizing that if they uh, uh, share with their partners, the partners are more successful, and uh, if your partners are more successful, at the end of the day, you generate more revenue. So everybody wins. So uh, we're, we're looking at things that will help the partners succeed, and we have to listen to what they're saying and uh, respond to what their needs and requirements are. And, and, and folks like Marco, uh, who are spending time, a lot of them, and understanding who their customers are and how they approach them, is really getting into the, uh, the, the details of the engine, making it work properly. So it's, it's really exciting because we're learning a lot, and I would say we're making mistakes and learning from the mistakes and moving on.
1: That's how you learn the best. It's not by doing it right. It's by making the mistakes and learning. And as you said, Phil, moving on. Marco, I'd love to have your your uh, input here on what Phil just shared. Talk to us.
4: Yeah, sure. I, I totally agree. And actually, I love the statement because uh, it has happened to me uh, in all my career. I mean, I, I work for HP. I work for Microsoft now for SAP. Uh, And I have heard several times uh, that people, even inside the vendors, I mean inside the manufacturers, sometimes don't understand how partners works, because sometimes partners more likely are going to be small and medium businesses as well, and they have a different way of working, they have a different business model, and we have to, to create that empathy with them, because actually they are very successful because of that, I mean because they create that empathy as well. With the customer base that they take care of, which, by the way, is the small and medium businesses, world, right? So partners are, are very agile. They are very fast. I mean, and and the, the usage of social selling is something that is coming to really complement what they do well. I mean, they, they really know how to create a, that empathy and relationship with customers. And now customers, I mean, millennials that are people between 18 and 35 years old, are taking over uh, mid-level management positions nowadays. They like to be on the Internet. They're born social. They like to, to get to know new products and services on the Internet. And that's a, a, a good opportunity, a big opportunity for small and medium-sized companies to relate to others, in this case partners working with, with with customers, to communicate and create those relationships in a different way compared to what we were doing in the past. So definitely social selling helps a lot to create that empathy and helps a lot to, make, to to close the gap between the company and the and, and the customers and also between the big companies and, and small companies when we're talking about a vendor and the partner base, right?
1: Thank you, Marco. Very articulate, very eloquently put. Lorraine, I'm going to have you comment briefly, and then I'm going to, because we're moving along faster on the clock, I want to pull up a couple of notes from Marco's uh, prep that he sent me. So, Lorraine, thoughts on this, please?
2: Sure, and I'm going to to... to in my comments to the network, to the connection, the tools, and then bring it up. When social selling it is about networking and it's really about creating a like relationship that provides an end result. So let's look at some big companies that have done it and then a small business that has done it. So Delta, an Atlanta based company, has a relationship with Coke, another Atlanta based company, and Delta now serves the Sony water, the Coke product, on their flight. Now, what that does for them is it it, it provides a a joint relationship that increases sales around the board, you know, um, having fresh water, having a company that you trust. Another example that everybody may be familiar with is McDonald's and the relationship they have with the movies and providing a toy. Again, it's all about finding like opportunities to increase business. In this case, it's about children, their movies, their toys. Now, a couple of things in small business, um, and I have two examples. Um, a small business, it's called uh, Fabricate, is about um, sewing, and it's sewing classes, knitting classes, et cetera. Well, they align themselves with the, the local craft store on supplies, and they do social selling um, to, like, like, individuals that use crafting and knitting and so forth, and they have a relationship that builds their network, their customer base, And so that's really the concept. It's about connecting, networking, and building, using like opportunities
1: to actually get something done. Thank you, Lorraine. What was the first one? You mentioned the water and Delta. Who was that? Because I want to tweet that. It was Delta and Dasani, which I
2: think Dasani is a Coke product.
1: Yes, okay, thank you very much Dasani Water, thank you very much, I want to put that out, thank you, and Phil excuse me, but I'm going to quickly run over to some notes here from Marco because we're almost ready for our predictions round I want to make sure we get this, so Phil rather than having you wrap up this topic, I'm going to move ahead, please forgive me, Marco you say, it is crucial to help your partners deliver relevant content to customers in the way they want to consume it, and when they want to consume it, and this goes to something I mentioned I believe in my opening about when and where they need that information. So you say uh, new consumption models and new ways of buying technology are making traditional marketing methods obsolete. I know you mentioned millennials, but, but uh, Marco, from your experience and your view and all the companies you work for and now doing social selling, what's your thought on how do you say to a smaller company with which you're partnering, hey, guys, it's time? We got to train you. We got to get you out there. We got to take your salespeople and put them in boot camp because social selling is the way it's going to be. It's here. You can't avoid it. So, how strong does that message have to be, Marco? Talk to me, please.
4: Uh, I have to be, it has to be re- really, really strong and really, really, really well articulated for them because uh, when you speak to partners uh, and we try to define the, the ideal customer when we're trying to sell any other of our products or services, uh, in, in all the conclusions to, that we reach, we can't deny that transformation has occurred in the buyer. I mean, all the people agree that today's buyer uh, is digitally driven. Uh, the customers now are socially connected as well as we do. I mean, the buyer has uh, multiple devices. They, they are mobile, and they are real-time empowered. So these people want to get to know new products and new services in a different way as we do before. I mean, in the past, when we wanted to buy a car, probably, I mean, in the past, I mean, five years ago, probably we went directly to the branch of our preference and we, uh, directly contacted a salesperson in order to understand the new car models and also the new services, technologies, and prices, right? But today's buyer uh, acted very differently. The today buyer got to Internet get under, get to get to understand all the new products, all the new services, and actually not only that, also the buyer evaluate those services and those products by the other recommendations or what the people are saying about those products and services on social media networks. So that's why it's very important to make sure that partners understand that it's very important to be where the new consumers uh, like to be now, and also where the new consumers uh, get to know the new information or information about new products, and actually where they like to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they like to be contacted by other people that is trying to do the same thing that they do. So it's very important for us to make sure that partners understand that and that they uh, articulate and actually add to their marketing mix uh, social selling or social media strategies because it's the only way in how they are going to make that empathy with the new customers in, in the new digital approach.
1: Thank you very much, Marco. I appreciate that. All good points. And you know what, Lorraine, now we're going to circle back to you, and we are officially into our crystal ball predictions round. Where is this all going? What is the future of working with your partners, choosing your partners, helping your partners embrace social selling? I love the word. Marco introduced empathy. So important on so many levels. So, Lorraine, why don't you look into the lens of the crystal ball? You use it every other week on your show Think big, work, small, with game changers, so I know you're ready for me here. So, Lorraine, I like 2020, as you know. What do you see in the future for our keywords today, partners and social selling? Lorraine, prediction, 60 seconds, go.
2: Social selling is just going to become more mainline and streamed. It's part of the buying cycle, and so it's, our, it's the opportunity for the partners to become part of the customer's, their customer's journey, using um, content, I predict social selling is going to be the main selling opportunity as we move forward. And as more brick and mortar become less and less, and more online opportunities uh, become more and more, as we've seen. And it's just as I said in the beginning, whether it's the interview process, which turned into sales, or you know, it's just connecting with the right people. It really is about networking, and the networking opportunity today is online, and online's going to continue in the future.
1: Thank you, Lorraine. Very prophetic. I appreciate that. I'm tweeting while you're speaking. Phil Lurie, I can give you a whole 60 sec. Oh, I can give you, I can give you 90 seconds because Lorraine was so concise. So, Phil, what do you see in the crystal ball? How far in the future?
3: Well, uh, I absolutely agree with uh, what Lorraine just said, but I'll add to it that I think that the world of social selling and the tools that are available to us are going to help us change things a bit more and that the um, the ability to do better social listening, listening to what your potential clients uh, are saying is going to be enhanced more than we have today. It's, it's getting better. And those tools are going to mean that when you start a conversation with a potential customer, it, it being a big business or a, or a partner, you're going to be more intelligent about what you're saying and you'll be more direct. So listening is, is really important. What they always say, two ears uh, and one mouth, you should listen before you speak. And I think that the, uh, the evolution of the tool sets will take advantage of that, plus the kinds of things that we're looking at in terms of analytics, measuring your success, and also making sure that you're um, using your tools effectively in terms of cost and benefit. So Thank you areas. very
1: much. Thank you. Good prediction. And now let's turn to Marco guys. Marco, predictions. You've never done this with <laughs> yeah. us before, but I know you've been, you're you always looking forward and looking ahead. So what do you see in the future Absolutely, and
4: how yeah. far? Uh, I, I definitely believe that social selling is now the natural business transformation that will occur with us and with our channel partners. It it definitely will be the new way of doing business. I don't see any more uh, cold calling or uh, using the most of the time at the phone trying to get new customers. And definitely uh, social selling will be the best and the more accurate way to create business relationships from our, own It's it's what people want. It's how the people want to be related now, and, uh, and that's what I believe is going to happen.
1: So you believe it will replace cold cold calling, right? Replace it totally, or or what do you think?
4: Definitely, it is going to be a curve, as always. Us, right? I mean, uh, now, of course, still some people is doing cold calling. You still receive you know, from your bank or from your or from your mobile company some calls. But I can tell you that if you make a, 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 a very simple exercise, thinking how many times you have bought a service coming out of a cold call probably you, you will answer that you are close to zero. So as well as we, our customers are, are behaving, so it means that they want to relate in a different way as we do, right?
1: Thank you very much. Very well done. Okay, everybody, I want to thank you for your time. Lorraine Maurice, always a pleasure. I'll see you, I think, next week, right? When is your next show? Is it uh, Thursday or next week? It is
3: next week.
1: Next Next week, Think Big, big, Work, Small with Game Changers. Everybody tune in Thursdays 2 p.m. Eastern Time on alternate Thursdays and you can find it on the business channel at WorldTalkRadioVoiceAmerica.com and listen. Phil Lurie, don't stay away so long. It's been way too long and Phil, you're not old. You're just getting better just like I am, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Marco, you're welcome. Marco, our guys, a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for sharing all of your words of wisdom. Uh, I can see why Phil recommended you to us and Very glad to have you on board, and thank you, and a shout-out to Justin, our engineer at World Talk Radio, the business channel, and a shout-out to Kirsten Boyleau, the sponsor of this series, who is usually on with us. She's on vacation, so we just picked up the ball and we ran with it. I think we did a great job. So, everybody, here's my call to action. You know it, but let me just say it again because it's so much fun. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for now. I'll be back in one hour with... What do we got on let me see what the next show is? We've got another show here. Uh supply chain collaboration. Oh, we're on business network innovation with game changers. Excuse me, we have thirteen live series right now. We're talking about real time supply chain collaboration in the cloud. There's that word collaboration again and partnering too. Woohoo. So I'll talk to you at twelve noon Eastern. Bye bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.